Heroes and Welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures and real life dads with real feelings. Today we are going under the sea and no, I don't mean like that song in that other movie about the fish people because we did that one already way back um, a while ago. We're having a lot of callbacks lately, but uh, there are only so many dads, you know, and we did do King Triton um, a while ago, but He's only half fish, so this episode is twice as good in that it's about someone who is entirely fish. Um, He is a pure fish. We're talking about the dad from the 2003 Disney Pixar movie, Finding Nemo. I assume that most people have seen this film at this point, um, but I hadn't seen it since it was was released. Um, And I remember it being like kind of interesting as a movie about like a dad who goes on a quest to save his kid like at the time i feel like that was a little uncommon to have like in cartoons like single dad characters you had had some before i guess like we talked about goofy a while ago and that was sort of a big example too um but i feel like either you had sort of like nuclear families like nuclear heterosexual families or just like fought, like parents weren't a thing. Like so in Toy Story, Pixar's movie, like one of Pixar's earlier movies, there weren't really like parents, right? Um, I guess Andy has parents. Does Andy have a dad? He has a mom. Um, but like the toys don't have parents because they're toys. But uh, in this movie, the fish do have parents. And, um, and Nemo has only one parent because at the beginning of the film, uh, Marlin and Coral, who are two clownfish, uh, are you have made this new home in the Great Barrier Reef in some anemones, and they have four hundred eggs that they've um, spawned, fertilized. No one really knows how fish do that. Um, and uh, a barracuda swims up, and when Coral tries to save the eggs, uh, the barracuda. Attacks Marlin, knocks him out, and then he wakes up to find that coral and all but one of the eggs are gone. And prior to this, they were having a conversation about naming them, and Marlin's like, well, let's just name half of them Marlin Jr. and half of them Coral Jr. And she's like, I like the name Nemo. Um, and he's like, okay, we'll name one of them Nemo, but I want them to be mostly Marlin Jr. But he's, he's introduced like right off the bat as like a really anxious dad. Um, and he's like, oh, what if they don't like me? You know, like, look, is our new place okay? It's like close to the schools. It's, is it going to be all right? And he's voiced by Albert Brooks, who does like a really incredible job of this. Um, and within like the first five minutes of the movie, his wife is dead and like all of his future children are dead. Although I guess there is the question of like how many of those fish would have lasted, like how many of those eggs would have lasted and would they be sad if like, or they would have expected them to, to not one thing that's interesting about this film is that um it's like you know like a lot of cartoons that project human values and um and like cultural institutions onto animals it can get kind of weird so um some things that get kind of confusing like you have a lot of fish hanging out together you have like Nemo going to school in the very beginning of that movie. And it's kind of like a joke. It's like fish school, school of fish. Get it? Um, 
But then also like the whole parental thing, like um, they want to have like Nemo um, have parents, right? Who like care about him. Uh, you wouldn't really have a movie without that. And um, and then, but then at the same time, they, they do do the gag of like, oh, they had 400 kids. Um, they need some way to get rid of them because 400 characters would be too many for a movie. Uh, so there is, that is kind of interesting in this movie, how they try and like, I feel like that's something you always have to do when you're like trying to write a movie about like funny animals or whatever. And it's interesting also to like talk about the ways that like those human qualities are attributed to them. I mean, the classic Pixar example is Wally, where like they're robots, but like Wally is gendered male and like the other one is gendered female. And like you could argue, well, humans made them. And so like humans would imprint gender onto things like, yeah, maybe. Um, would they be hetero? I don't know. They're robots. Um, back to Finding Nemo, though. We have this setup where uh, where Marlon is already a very nervous character to start with. We, we're given these traits that he's like kind of fretting. He's um, he's like an anxious, nervous guy. Uh, he's worried that his kids aren't going to like him. And then he's sort of given ammunition for his anxieties or like given evidence for his anxieties as we we call it in um in like mental health right so like you can have anxieties or you can have like emotions and then you're supposed to like compare like your the evidence that exists in the world to see if those beliefs are well founded or not and in marlon's case they kind of are really early on because his wife is killed and like most of his children or like pre-children also how does fish abortion okay let's not probably do that um but he's left with one kid and he's just like, I promise I'll never let anything happen to you. And what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, and others, is a classic dead wife, you're all I have left set up. Uh, this is something that I see like over and over again. It's a really good way to, or really easy way, I guess I, I would rather say, to introduce a character with a motivation Um of a stock character that the audience can really understand because you have a father who's who's sort of stock role um or job is to like protect his family and then you take away his uh his wife presumably maybe occasionally his husband typically not and you leave him with a child and then he has all of this trauma because the child reminds him of of his his dead wife. He's trying to protect this child because, you know, as this character will say quite a lot, you're all I have left or like you just you remind me of her and you're all I have left of her. Um, I actually recently rewatched Repo for a piece I was writing on it. Uh, and um, that character, which we've also touched on, so you can go back to that episode, too. We've covered most of the dads. Wow. Uh, they got to come up with some new dads for us to talk about. But the character in that movie who's played by Anthony Stewart Head is in kind of the same position um, where his wife died in childbirth and he's just got uh, this daughter, Shiloh, and his wife Marnie is dead and he's just like, you're all I have left. You can't go outside. That gets a little darker than this movie because whereas um, Marlon is just kind of overprotective and doesn't want to let Nemo out of his sight, uh, Anthony Head's character in that movie has been poisoning his daughter so that she 
can't leave the house. And um, it also turns out that he was, that his, uh, his old best friend, who was his wife's ex, uh, killed his wife uh, and blamed it on, or, or made it seem that it, he, it was his fault. And um, so he's quite a bit more fucked up than Marlon is, I would say. But it's the same class of character, you know? Um, so what kinds of stories can you, can you tell with that kind of character? Um, the main kind of story that you can tell and the story that Finding Nemo does try to tell is the story of a father who has to learn to let go. Um, basically, this is, I feel like this is a pretty, like, masculine kind of story. I was going to say it could work with a mom too, but like, the ways that moms are played up as overprotective is often a little bit different. I mean, they're played as fretting too, but you don't really get the dead husband story as much um, as you do the dead wife story, I feel like. And so the sort of main, main kind of story is like, well, um, yeah, this is all that this character has left their child, but like he has to learn to trust his kid um, so in, in Finding Nemo, he very much starts off as this kind of helicopter parent. And the first scene that we get with Marlin and Nemo is Nemo having his first day going to school. Um, Marlin is just like totally embarrassing him. He's like, oh, he's, he's a little thin. Like, just so you know, he gets tired. I like to let him, let him stop for 10 or 15 minutes and then just go from there. And like, Nemo, don't go play with those kids. You might get hurt. Play on the baby toys. Um, and, uh, and Marlon is just like, uh, sort of following Nemo around and, uh, Nemo sneaks off and like to just sort of investigate this, this boat and then gets caught by a scuba diver. And, uh, so Marlon is basically launched on this quest to find Nemo. Uh, and that's the name of the film. And he meets Dory, who there's a second movie that I haven't seen where they find Dory. Um, maybe they'll find Marlon in another movie. Uh, and uh, basically Marlon and Dory have to go on this adventure to save Nemo. And they have to go on this um, this quest where uh, not only did they get Nemo back, but Marlon has to learn a lesson in the process. And in the process of doing that, it's not sort of just a straight shot. Um, he starts off as this, like, obviously very, like, nervous kind of guy, um, and, uh, and is sort of, you know, following Dory around, or they're just sort of going together. Um, Nemo is, like, dropped into a fish tank at a dentist's office, uh, makes some friends who try and help him escape, and, um... At one point, Marlon and Dory run into these jellyfish, and um, they're like both kind of really scared to go through, and like they have to like get through this big, big um, bloom of jellyfish. I think is the the collective noun for that. Um, and uh, Marlon sort of like takes the, if you'll pardon the pun, sting out of the. Uh, is that even right? Um, basically just makes it less, um, less intimidating by sort of making it into this like fun adventure where they're like bouncing around on the tops of these jellyfish. Um, 
and then gets like competitive with Dory and is just like, I'm going to be there. Like, oh, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And um, gets to the end and is like cheering and like, yeah, Clownfish won. Yeah. Um, and uh, then realizes that Dory is uh, like didn't make it through. And uh, he freaks out and has to go back to save her. And so it's sort of like, oh, sometimes it is worth paying attention to your surroundings and like knowing things. But like there is, you know, it's like there's like reasonable uh, concerns about danger. And then there's like letting danger rule your life and like the lives of others. And um, so then they meet a turtle who's like Holly Shore, I think. Um, and, uh, uh, they, uh, get caught in a whale and, um, uh, fly to, with some seagulls and, uh, then go to the dentist's office and, uh, the dentist is like giving Nemo as like a gift to, um, uh, his niece, Darla. And uh, it's implied that she kills all the fish that she gets. And um, uh, Nemo tries to like play dad so that she won't take him. And then Marlin sees him playing dad. Uh, And uh, uh, eventually Nemo meets Marlin again. And uh, then... Uh, Dory gets like caught in this net and, uh, Nemo's like, oh, I, I can do it. Um, like dad, like, let me do it. I'm, I'm small and I can, I can rescue Dory cause you can't get through this net. And, uh, Arlen's like, I'm not going to lose you again. And Nemo's like, I can do it. And Marlon's just like, oh, you're right. I know you can. And like, that's sort of like the the moment where he's like realized like, cause the whole time, like his son wasn't just like waiting or like his son wasn't like, well, he was scared, but he was like trying to escape. Right. And he was like trying, he was doing all these clever things, like trying to jam the filter in the tank, trying to play dead. And now he's like doing a brave thing of like being potentially self-sacrificing to like, uh, to, uh, to save Dory. And, um, they, uh, they finally get home. And then Marlon and Dory are like watching Nemo go back to school. Um, and then the tank fish escape, but like, who cares? Um, although I think one of them was Willem Dafoe. So yeah, he's like the leader. Um, so that's, I'm glad he got it. Um, so as it turns out, the inspiration for this film, according to Wikipedia came from, um, the director's like personal experiences. Um, there were like two things. One was like when he was a kid, he loved going to the dentist to see the fish tank and assume that the fish were from the ocean and wanted to go back home, which is like a very like child like thing to think. Um, and then also like after his son was born, um, he like went, he like took his son, son for a walk in the park and then was like, felt like he was being overprotective and like lost, uh, lost this like opportunity to have a, a father son experience, um, in some way. 
And um, he's actually the, the sea turtle. It's not Polly Shore. But um, uh, sounds like him. So, uh, and the thing I didn't know about this movie that's really upsetting is like, so there's like two sort of like, you know, like there's like the main arc, which is Marlin and like his quest to realize that he can't control everything in the world. And that also like, um, he shouldn't try to control his son's life, especially, which when you think about it is kind of like an odd subject for a children's movie, right? Like I feel like in ways this is really one of the big starts of Pixar movies trying to appeal to like parents as well. Um, and not just in the sense of like, Oh, funny gags that only parents or like adults get, but like, this is like a story that it's like an adventure story that kids can enjoy. And there's like, it's obviously a very colorful movie. Um, very funny movie, but like if the story is like for kids, like it's, if it were like, you know, told in like with like human actors in like a mature setting, you'd basically tell the same story as like a prestige drama um, about Albert Brooks, like learning to let go, like let his kid go to school or like let his kid go to college or something. Um, And he would just be mournfully looking at pictures of his dead wife all the time. So like, it's like a parent story, which is interesting, but that's like sort of the main narrative. Right. And then there's this thing that I didn't know about this movie, which is, um, when you think about like the sort of one of the sub or like the the subplots of the whole like dentist's office and Darla who kills all these fish, apparently because the movie is based on clownfish, like Nemo and Marlin are clownfish, um, there were like mass purchases of them as pets and um, they are saltwater fish and... Um, that meant that there's this demand that was supplied by large-scale fish harvesting. And um, according to National Geographic, Finding Nemo uh, ended up causing home aquarium demand for clownfish to triple and has apparently just led to environmental devastation for clownfish. Uh, so, and uh, another thing is that after seeing the movie, some owners uh, released their fish into the ocean, but didn't release them in the correct habitat, which ended up creating invasive species. So um, it's interesting in that you can have a film that has a very overt um, manifest message about keeping pets being kind of cruel and harmful and, uh, and then the latent message is that clownfish are fun and cool. And of course you want to have a Nemo if you're a kid. Right. Um, so that kind of sucks. I, uh, I had no idea about that until I was looking up, uh, this movie to do this episode, but I maintain that this is like one of the classic dad stories of like a dad learning to let go. Um, it's like a very different kind of story from like the distant dad who is learning to, uh, to reach out and in ways though, they're not mutually exclusive because the dad who is like overly invested in the child's safety and in protecting his family isn't necessarily emotionally close with them. Um, and it may even be kind of cut off because he is so invested in, in protecting this person that 
you can't always have like a a full relationship when you're in that position of, of fretting over someone constantly um, because that trust isn't necessarily there. So yeah, one of the classic dad stories. Um, I think this is a movie that's worth going back to if you are uh, are looking for a fish dad movie. Definitely my top five dad fish movies. Uh, Little Mermaid is up there too. And, uh, you know, a fish named um, Daddy and um, my father, the, um, the shark and... Um, dad he's a fish now um that's my top five so thank you so much for listening this week and uh apologies for the lateness in the last couple of episodes uh we are just working through some production hiccups but things should be back to normal soon thanks for sticking with us and i will see you next week bye kiddos Dad Feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Dad Feelings is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at dadfeelings.com support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album Foil Gear. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuis for letting us use it. Please mention us on Twitter we're at Dad Feelings and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>